here comes Mr. Drummer Guy being like, what if a dog and a sea lion played together? Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hi, hello, how's it going? Welcome back to the Raw Safari Podcast, y'all. We've got a really long episode today, which I'm really excited about, but um, I want to keep this intro short. So let me just start off by reminding you all that you can follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Raw Safari, uh, at Raw Safari Pod on TikTok. And um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $3 a month uh, by going to patreon.com slash Raw Safari. And part of what you will get if you do that is bonus audio from various episodes including this one. So uh, yeah, that's it's just something you can do if you want to help me out and hear some extra awesome stuff from some of my amazing guests. And speaking of amazing guests, y'all, I think that I could be convinced to move to the greater Phoenix, Arizona area. I love being out there. And over my time out there, I've gotten to know some really cool people. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, my my favorite bass player that I've ever worked with, a, a true brother in the music industry, happens to live out there and is actually currently dating another friend of mine who I've performed with, who uh, I actually set them up. And uh, they both live out there right now. And, and so I have friends out there. And then y'all heard, you know, Natalie Berry, who we've become really good friends and um, my friend Cassie is out there now. I have I have friends in Phoenix, and uh, there are amazing facilities in Phoenix. And two of those friends happen to work at one of those amazing facilities, and they're going to be on the podcast today. So their names are Krista and Kaylee, and they are two people who work with the sea lions and a couple other animals at Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. Now, I know that some of you who listen have told me that you don't like hearing two interviews in a row from the same facility, but in this case, you're kind of not, because while last week we talked to somebody from Wildlife World Zoo, this time we're talking to people from the aquarium side and specifically the sea lion team side, and it is a very different interview. And on top of it just being a very different topic, Krista and Kaylee have become friends, like I mentioned a minute ago, and we've joked around and gotten to know each other, and you'll hear that come out in the interview a little bit. These are people who I really appreciate, not just professionally, but as humans, which basically means I can pick on them a little bit in the interview. Um, and I know that a lot of you who listen really love those those moments of connection that I have with the, the people on the podcast. And you're going to hear a lot of that during this interview. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my interview with Krista and Kaylee from Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. So uh, let's start off by you both telling me who you are, where you work, and what you do there. My name is Krista Henderson. I'm the director of the Sea Lion Department here at Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium. 
Um, and I've been here for three and a half years uh, working with our population of sea lions here. And we recently have two Asian small clawed otters that we've added to our shipwreck cove family and a hyacinth macaw. Yeah. Um, and I'm Kaylee Innes, and I'm a sea lion trainer here at the Wildlife World Zoo. And I have been here for a little over seven years now with right. our sea lion. So. Nice. Yeah. And I have to start off by telling you right off the bat that I am so mad at both of you. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> so I come and I hang out and we're going to talk more about our experience, you know, together and, and how great it was. And then I come back and I bring my band and we have some more time together. And then I fly home all happy and content and thinking that you're wonderful people. And then the next day you introduce the otters to the show. The <laughs> next day. What the heck? That hurt, y'all. I saw that and I was like, are you kidding? kidding me <laughs> oh yeah there's never a dull moment here at wildlife world zoo <laughs> oh no that is really cool and i'm looking forward to talking about that but i literally like i get home and i'm like those two jerks did not tell me. <laughs> <laughs> the nerve <laughs> um all right so let's start off we're gonna do a deep dive on each of you but let's start off with kaylee since you've been there longer Okay. <laughs> so what is your story? When did you decide you wanted to work with animals? What path did you take to your career? You know, all that good stuff. Okay. So I have known since I was four years old that I wanted to be a marine mammal trainer. My mom reminds me every time we went to SeaWorld when I was four that we saw the dolphin show and I told her that that's what I was going to do one day. And I might not be with dolphins, but I have achieved my, my dream. Um, so the way that I got into this, it was not the typical way that one becomes a trainer in this field. I had graduated high school and moved to Arizona from Alaska and very quickly I got hired here at the zoo. Um, I started out in the gift shop and working on the rides for a couple months and then lucky enough for me I started volunteering in the sea lion department and within a month they had a position open and so I very quickly moved over to sea lions. It was about a three-month transition and then from there, I've been with the sea lions. So when I started, we just had Andy, Paris, and Crockett. They're our adults. Um, and then throughout the course of the years, obviously, we had Sonny, who's five now. He was the first pup that we had born and the first marine mammal born in the state of Arizona. And then Junior and then Makara. And then we've had all six of them total for about almost three and a half years now. So we've all joined our, our crew. Okay. So. Let me make sure I understand what you just said. <laughs> you were in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> what is Alaska surrounded by mostly? Um, I mean, on the coastline, you got water. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said surrounded. A very by. large state. Fair, fair. But, so. but, but mostly surrounded by water. And you mm -hmm. wanted to be a marine mammal trainer. So yes. you chose Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> I I'm know. Just, I'm just weird. trying to understand. I'm just trying to to make sure that I understand the story that you're yeah. telling me. The funniest part is when I started at the zoo, I had just moved here. Okay. I had just, I moved here in August of 2015 and I started at the zoo in October of 2015. And from then I didn't tour the zoo. I had never been to the zoo. I hadn't even 
heard of it before I started. I didn't even know there were sea lions until one day my gift shop manager asked me, you know, what I wanted to do long-term career-wise. And I said, oh, I want to be a marine mammal trainer. And she said, are you volunteering over at sea lions? And I said, there's sea lions here? (laughs) What? (laughs) We have sea lions? (laughs) That's amazing. Well, then why did you end up moving to Phoenix? I am the youngest of my siblings, and so my mom and my stepdad were done with the Alaska cold. We were from Fairbanks, which is almost the coldest city in the U.S., Um, and we were done. We didn't want to be in the cold weather anymore, so we decided to go from extreme cold to extreme heat. This makes sense. I was, uh, mm-hmm. I'm in Buffalo right now and it was hailing this morning. So I, oh, I hear you. It's, it's not Alaska, but it's, it's, it's cold. So yeah. It is I hear cold. You. Yeah. Yeah. I miss, I miss being out in, uh, you know, Arizona. It was nice. <laughs> it was good weather when you were here. It's it cold right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, that's, that's a cool start. And I love that you literally started working there and just didn't even know that your dream animal was there. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was cool. fate. It was amazing. Yeah, I really like that. That's very cool. All right, all right. So how about you, Krista? Tell me things. All right. Uh, well, I am an Arizona native, so I was born and raised here. Um, so it is kind of ironic that I wanted to be in the marine mammal fields, but I think my story started out like uh, many of us. I went to SeaWorld as a as a kid and left feeling so inspired and um, just knowing that that was what I wanted to do. Uh, And I never grew out of that. So I went to uh, school for psychology, majored in psychology. And uh, after that, I went to Hawaii for an internship. I was really lucky to get hired on shortly after that, worked very hard in my internship um, and just solidified that this is what I wanted to do. So I was hired shortly after my internship ended, and that is where I got my start. So I started with dolphins. That's um, majority of my experiences with dolphins. Uh, so actually here at Wildlife World Zoo is my first time working with sea lions. Um, I, To be honest, I wasn't sure that I would, uh, you know, like working with them as much as I did dolphins. And now I just, they are such a fun species to work with and um, very challenging as well. I feel like they are constantly um, challenging us and you have to think uh, more outside of the box and um, the fact that they can leave the water uh, adds a whole new element. So I I really enjoy working with them a lot and they just uh, have big personalities, I would say. Yes, especially some of the ones that y'all are taking care of. Um, having yes. having met those personalities, there are some there are some big ones there. Awesome. Well, that's cool. Um, so, uh, did you go right from Hawaii to uh, Wildlife World, or or were there other steps along the way? Uh, so yes, I worked um, in Hawaii for a little while, and then I also worked at the facility that opened up here in Arizona. Um, it's no longer here. It did close down, but I worked there for, um, you know, from the time the animals got there until they left. And that was a huge learning experience for me. And, um, I am very appreciative for that opportunity. And it just so happened when that those doors were closing, uh, you know, these doors opened up for me. Um, somebody that I actually worked with in Hawaii was, uh, the, the lead of the department at the time. And she was, 
getting ready to leave and reached out to me and asked if it would be something that I was interested in. And it, you know, the timing just worked out perfectly. Very cool. Um, Kaylee, since you were there for that transition, what was the transition like? Um, and, you know, I realized that that Krista's sitting right there, right no next pressure. to me. <laughs> no, no pressure. But no, but, but, but I'm asking for a specific reason. So I'm curious. So if you would go yeah. ahead and tell me. So when Krista came in, it was my second leadership change that I had experienced here. Um, and throughout all of my mentors that I've had in this department, I have learned so much from them. And that's what Krista brought. She brought a whole new perspective and way to train with the animals and just different ideas. So it was a lot at once. You know, I call her call her crazy Krista because I love her because that's our training style. Um, but it was really nice. Yeah, it was, I feel pretty nice transition and she brought some really cool things to the table and it's been really awesome to see how the animals have progressed with that change as well. That's really cool. The reason that I, I was asking was that, you know, I, I have some friends from some other facilities in the greater Phoenix area and, um, it, turns out that, um, you know, and, and absolutely not saying anything against any of the previous people here, but uh, Krista has quite the reputation um, at the other facilities in the area. And everyone has said to me that they think that the um, the training program that y'all have instituted and that y'all are doing now is like really impressive and really top notch. And this was I was talking to people um, from Phoenix Zoo and from uh, Sea Life Aquarium and from Odyssey Aquarium. And this came up with all of the people that I was speaking to. And I wasn't like asking questions. I was just telling them about my time hanging out with the sea lions. And then they were all like, oh, my God, she's awesome. Everybody respects Krista so much. So, well, it's all true. She is awesome. I feel so (laughs) flattered. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And to be honest, I it's not all me. It's, I have such an amazing team and, um, truly, you know, none of this would be possible without each and every one of us. We play such a uh, vital role and I feel like we all have different strengths and we really bring our best to the table and the best to our animals every day. And, um, so that, that makes me so proud of our team and our animals that, uh, you know, other, other people have seen that and, uh, like, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I think that's that. I mean, that's what that's what good leadership is. Right. It's not taking all the credit and it's not thinking you're the one doing everything. It's uh, leading the humans and seeing what they're best at and, and helping them, you know, shore up their weaknesses. And also, I don't want to say exploiting, but like using, but like in a good way, like taking advantage of their positives. And um, yeah, no, that's that's very cool. It was it was actually like. It was really cool to when I said that I had this experience, um, have everybody just praising you all and, and saying how great it was. It's very cool. I, I, thank sure you. <laughs> I love this community so much. Sorry, my watch is talking to me. I must have bumped the crown. I was like, who, who the hell was that? It was Siri. <laughs> Siri's just popping in to say hello. Yeah, she does that sometimes. So, um, 
All right, let's let's take a minute and let's let's talk about the uh, the individuals in the department. And I don't mean the humans. I mean I mean the important ones. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's start with the sea lions. And this is such a basic thing. And I'm sure my listeners know this, but I've gotten a lot of new listeners lately and a lot of people that this will be their first time hearing about sea lions on this podcast. So can you give me a quick primer on like what sea lions are, the difference between sea lions and seals, that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have California sea lions here at the Wildlife World Zoo. Um, They are often mistaken for seals, which I, growing up in Alaska, I knew the difference because there's mainly sea lions there. So it was really interesting that, you know, it wasn't super obvious, but I can definitely tell how they are confusing to. Hold on a second. Sorry, I'm confused. Are there mostly sea lions in Alaska? I know. I, th- yes. I thought there was seals. They're, yeah, uh, I'm stellar so sea lions are the most prominent there. Wow, and they are the largest species of sea lions, and they're amazing. That's so cool. I literally, you said that, and I was like, "Oh, you misspoke." I, I'll, I'll let you say it again. <laughs> that's really cool. I didn't because yeah. you always hear about seals because you know Arctic uh-huh. seals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. To be honest, I've seen more sea lions out in the wild than seals, especially up in Alaska, which is cool. <laughs> Yeah, but um, the difference is their body compositions are totally different from one another. So um, true seals, if you look on the sides of their heads, where on a sea lion you would find an external ear flap, a true seal just has like a small pinhole that helps protect the water from getting inside their internal ear canal. Um, And then their flipper features are very different as well. So sea lions have big front flippers that they use to swim through the water, to also jump 10 to 15 feet out of the water to evade predators. Um, Whereas true seals have really short stubby front flippers that they use for steering instead of swimming. Um, And they can jump out of the water, but I don't think as graceful as sea lions sometimes. Uh, And then sea lions, their back flippers and how they move on land is one of the biggest differences between them. So sea lions have shorter back flippers than their front flippers. And again, they use those ones for steering, whereas true seals have long back flippers that they use for swimming. And then how they move on land, sea lions can tuck those shorter back flippers underneath their bodies and walk on all four. They're very graceful on land. And true seals are the ones you see kind of inching on the ground in a like inchworm motion. It's called the lump thing. They're very cute. The seal walk is adorable. I love it. Our sea lions have a great seal impersonation, oh, by they the way. Really <laughs> the important behavior trainings. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> okay, very good. And so let's talk about some of the individuals there. And um, so the first time that I visited with y'all, um, Krista and I had – are we we were just like by ourselves like the rest of your team was was doing their thing and it was just you and i hanging out with at at, at different points two different sea lions and i feel like they could not be more different of sea lions so let's let's start off by talking about my two friends uh crockett and junior and uh, we'll we'll start with crockett and then we'll have to make some comparisons to junior (laughs) yes uh, so Crockett's our largest sea lion here at Shipwreck Cove. Um, he is around 400 pounds right now. Um, he is the father to all three pups that were born here. Um, and he is just our big teddy bear, if I could describe him in a way. Um, he's very patient. Um, it sometimes takes him a little bit longer to learn new behaviors and to kind of cross certain uh, thresholds when you're, you're teaching him, but he is just uh, always willing to participate. Um, One of, I think his most reinforcing uh, 
things is tactile and he will just, you know, sit there all day if he could. Um, but he's a very great animal, very patient. Um, and Kaylee has a really strong relationship with him as well. So you can add, add a little bit about Crockett. Oh, stop. He, he's a goofball. I like to say he is like Chris has said, he's very patient. He, I like to say learns very complex behaviors, super quick because he is very smart. And then behaviors that are a little bit easier in my opinion take him longer because I feel as though he overthinks quite often and they're just too simple for him to understand and he's like I don't get it and then he's like oh this is what you wanted me to do <laughs> that makes sense why didn't you just say so he he is amazing and when you can re- get that relationship with him and you form it it's very rewarding because how great of an animal he is he's he makes you look good honestly he's a good boy <laughs> He really is. And um, we got to to spend a little time playing playing catch. And that was – I've done a lot of cool things with animals. But that was one of the coolest. Like it wasn't fetch. It was catch. He threw it back. There was, there was a command for that. And he was engaged and we were having fun. And um, – I I just loved that so much. Um, and before we go on to the other the other you know sea lions, I do have a question about that, which is um, you know so often we talk about behavior behavioral training and why these things are are okay to do and and such. And I'm curious, what is the idea behind why I'm able to play uh, play catch with a with a sea lion? Like, why is that an important thing for you to have taught, you know, Crockett, other than because, oh, my God, I got to play catch with a sea lion. Yeah, so this is something I feel like as a team we are so passionate about. Um, And I truly believe that when you can have those one-on-one, more personal connections with an animal, that's when you you really care and you feel inspired to make changes. And um, as you know, and I, I feel like we could rattle off facts all day long and, uh, you know, talk about conservation, but, um, I feel like you really make an impact when you create a connection with an animal and, um, what better way to do that than playing catch with the sea lion? Um, because, you know, you, you learn that animal and not, not just as a sea lion, you learn, you learn more about Crockett as an individual. And, um, you know, that inspires you to, uh, think more about your actions and want to make a difference and, uh, you know, want to learn more, I think, and, and inspire that uh, just caring about conservation and and marine mammals and not just marine mammals, all animals in general. No, absolutely. I agree. I, I think um, those those types of moments, just every time I have one of them, um, you know, whatever it is, um, it makes me more passionate about even just raw safari. It makes me want to do this more. It makes me fired up. Um, originally, we had no plans to do an interview. Um, I just got to hang out with y'all because um, Christy and everyone at Wildlife World is really supportive of the pod and really nice. And I, I literally, I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I did my interview with uh, Danielle and then Christy was like, by the way, we set something up for you. Go have fun. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, but it did. And it made me, it inspired me to want to share your story and to share about Crockett and the rest of them. And also to, you know, 
start to look more into what's going on in their world and and how are they doing and um I I I love them so much more after having this experience. So like, yes, it works and I walked away from the zoo that day so inspired, you know? And and I think that's the nice thing about this podcast in general is that I keep having these moments and it keeps because it's hard to do this sometimes. I, it's a lot of work and you know, there are, for a long time I was losing money on it and I still it's not like it's a job. It's it's, you know, a hobby that kind of pays for itself if you don't count gas sometimes. But um I'm fired up about it when stuff like that happens. So thank you for that. No, and that's that's so great to hear and I feel like um you know, of course we work with these animals every day. Uh, we are so invested in them. And uh, and I think that, um, you know, unfortunately, something our field has to, um, you know, constantly be thinking about is people that don't agree with zoos and aquariums and don't agree with animals in human care. And um, we always talk as a team, the best way to show that our animals are well cared for um, is by by showing that there is a genuine relationship. We care about these animals, and um, you know, when you see that, it's you don't you don't even have to say it. You don't have to um, try to explain it. You can just see it. And uh, I mean, you could see Crockett was engaged that entire session, and that I think is the best way to just show that our animals are very well cared for and well loved. They're very well loved. Everyone on that team was so in it the whole time. It was so cool to see. Um, cool. So now we, we have to talk about, so Crockett early on, Crockett stole my heart. But then, then came Junior. <laughs> and oh, Junior. <laughs> junior is, oh my gosh. Just, well, first of all, just, just talk about Junior. Just, yeah, tell everyone about Junior. Yes. So the ongoing joke in our department is I have rose colored glasses for junior. Um, I just, he's and by the way, you know, I have animal. to say this real quick, <laughs> by the way, that matters. And it's not the type of thing that you can make happen, but there was no way in heck that anyone was going to convince me that Crockett wasn't the best sea lion there. And then I saw how in love with junior you were. And then junior <laughs> and I had our own moment afterwards, which we'll talk about in a minute, but from the second that I saw you, who were already at a 10, I thought, go to a 20 in excitement <laughs> when Junior got involved, it it was just so cool. And it was impossible for me standing next to you to not feel that love and see it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But like, it was impossible for me to not fall in love with Junior because of you, which is amazing and is really cool. But yeah, so so tell everyone about Junior. Uh, so Junior is our four-year-old sea lion. He was the second pup that was born here. Um, and he is just, he's a lot like his father. He's a big goofball. Um, I feel like he takes goofball to another level though. Uh, he just, he's such a fun animal. And um, a lot of people, you know, think that they just come to us because we have a cooler of fish. Um, by the way, uh, for anybody new with sea lions, that is not the case. It is not that easy. And you really have to put time into building these relationships. Um, now, Junior, since he was a pup, you know, they don't they don't eat as much. And so he would get satiated in sessions and he would still want to participate. We would end the session and he would still come over and um, want to participate. He's always seeking out uh, interactions with, you know, with us also guests, um, you know, at the, our guests at the acrylic panels, he, you'll just see him over there um, being a goofball. He sticks his flippers up, 
out of the water. And um, he also just loves to play with toys. So the Frisbee, he has very good aim with the Frisbee. Um, we've all been on the receiving side of that several times. Um, but yeah, he's also a very patient animal. So he gives you the grace as a trainer when you're trying to figure out the best way to uh, go about training a certain behavior. He has that patience to help you, um, you know, kind of figure out the best way. And he uh, gives you a lot of grace in that way. And he's just a very awesome animal. Very, uh, he learns things really quickly too. Can, can you share the story? Do you remember what happened at the end of, of my, my training with Junior when I was going to go back down to, to play catch with Crockett? Yes, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly. He followed you down the stairs, right? The whole way down. And you called him and he did <laughs> yeah, not care. Right. He stayed with me and I didn't know. So the best part of this was from my perspective, you know, Kaylee, I think was like, all right, John, come down the stairs. We're going to do this next thing. It's going to be really cool. I'm like, awesome. I start walking down the stairs and I hear you go, Junior. Junior. And I turn over my shoulder just to see what's going on. And he's flopping right after me. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, all right, just keep walking. Like my, my rule is I don't do anything different or, you know, like I was told to go down the stairs. I'm going down the stairs until someone says, John, stop or whatever. I'm, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm told to do. Y'all are in charge. And I get to the bottom of the stairs and he just follows me the whole way down. And there's that little like buoy hanging right there or whatever. And I just was standing right next to it. And he, he comes up right next to it and just shoves his face into my hand. <laughs> and I completely melted. I completely like I was already in love. And then like he just had me hold his head. And so then mm -hmm. I was like, can I pet him? And he, yeah, so, yeah. And I, okay. so I start petting him and he just kept his stupid little perfect face in my hand and let me pet him <laughs> until you called him again. And then he looked up like registered that you were there and boop, 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 right back up the stairs and everything was fine. Oh mm -hmm. my God, my heart. It was like, I was like, can I take him home? <laughs> yes. And that's, that's junior in a nutshell. That's it. That is quintessential junior. Um, yeah. And that's, so this is something, uh, when I first started working with sea lions, there's a big debate about end of sessions. Some people agree with them. Some people don't, some people use them. Some people don't. Um, that was a big one for me. Um, I had never used an end of session, but it's a lot different because dolphins, when you walk away, they, they're in the water, so they can't follow you. Sea lions though, they can follow you. Um, so they had used an end of session. And when I, first started, I was, you know, very much like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And, um, but I, I really like the way that we use our end of sessions now, because for example, when you walk down the stairs, we had ended him. He has the opportunity to follow you or, or, you know, stay on stage. And more often than not, we see that from junior. He wants to come and, um, you know, you know, he's, he's following you and he has the choice always. Um, and, so we definitely see that with a lot of our animals. They're they're more um, interested after that end of session to still come and and participate in things or just just come over. Um, but it's always that that choice. And so that was definitely um, he was doing that completely on his own. <laughs> that was yeah. so amazing. And, um, you know, it was also cool because like, like I said, you called him a couple of times, but you didn't like, you know, you didn't, you weren't like bat ah, junior, get back here or anything dumb like that. And also like everyone was laughing. No one was mad. No one, you know, he was doing his thing. And it was, again, it's just that great illustration of the love that y'all were talking about because like, 
you know, from my perspective, as a person who doesn't quite know what's going on, I'm like, you know, in the back of my mind, anytime I'm with an animal that goes off script, so to speak, I'm like, oh, am I helping? Am I hurting? Am I? And like I said, I will always listen. I will always take a command, you know, um, to do something. But um, in that moment, I didn't feel I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried that Junior was doing something wrong or that I was I had accidentally done something that was screwing with the training program or anything weird like that, because all y'all were laughing and enjoying it and having fun with it. And um, yeah, that was very meaningful and very cool to see. It, it really is. It's a relational thing, you know, and I know like I do the same thing with my son. He'll do something that I didn't exactly want him to do. And I'm like cracking up or, you know, he'll make a choice that I wouldn't have made. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, dude, you're having fun. No one's getting hurt. This is good. It was, it was very cool to see that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, they're not robots. So <laughs> uh, they have, you know, all their own sea lionalities, I guess we can say. Um, but yeah, that's the beauty of it. And, you know, we always uh, work hard not to anthropomorphize things, but at the same time, they all have their quirks, their um, things that make them tick and that make them special. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. What, um, let, let's talk about someone else. Let's tell me about, tell me about another one of the sea lions. Oh, well, if we want to talk about favorites, <laughs> as much as I love Crockett, our youngest Makara is incredible. I love her. Everyone thinks she's a punk sometimes. She's a very sassy girl. That's she why really I love her. is. She is so sassy. I know you got to meet her, but she gives the cutest little kisses. And when she's when she's paying attention to you, when she's engaged, she's very good. And she she's very smart. She learns things very quickly, and I also think she got some of her patience from her dad, Crockett, and then she also got some of her impatience from her mom, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to compare her personality to an animal that we had when I started. Uh, it was an African fish eagle, and her name was Issa. And she was my favorite animal that I worked with because she was very sassy and she discriminated against a lot of other trainers. And oh, very fortunately, I was one of her favorites uh, <laughs> to my own horn there. And Makara reminds me a lot of her every time I work with her. It's very funny. She's incredible. And then, of course, we have our two moms, Andy and Paris. That's the rest of our gang. Oh, well, Sunny. Can't forget about sweet Sunbun. Um, Sunny is our five-year-old. He was the first sea lion pup that we had um paris is his mom and he was the first marine mammal born in arizona so he's very special to all of us he he holds a very special place here at the zoo too um sunny i would say he's uh he likes to be challenged but he does not have as much patience as like crockett or junior so you really have to go in with a plan and um you know and set him up for success uh and Makara, we call her our smallest sea lion with the biggest personality, uh, like Kaylee mentioned. And Paris is very high energy. Um, she has, I think her, the thing we reinforce her the most for is just sitting and being calm. Like she's always re like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. What's, what's next? And so we put a lot of our um, focus on just reinforcing her for being calm. Um, Andy is, she's our 12 year old sea lion. No, 13. I'm sorry, 13. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she's 196 pounds. She's our uh, second most dominant. So in the social hierarchy. Um, and she is also a goofball. We call her awkward Andy sometimes. Yeah. Um, she's a little clumsy and also very bossy, I would say. 
She's very clumsy. She decided to slide all the way down the stairs today during one of our shows. It was very funny. <laughs> she was walking down and completely slid down the entire steps. I was like, okay, Andy. We also like to call her a bulldozer because it doesn't matter if you give her space or if you're trying to move her around another animal. She's just going to go through something. She's going to go over somebody or, you know, push you out of the way. She's just... They're, they're all amazing with their different personalities. And it's really cool to see with our little ones, Sunny Jr. Makara, their different little personality quirks that they also got from their parents. So that's awesome. Very cool. And, you know, you brought up an interesting word in the world of zoos nowadays, which is show. You have mm-hmm. sea lion shows. I got to be in one. It was fun. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious what you would say, because, you know, uh, first of all, uh, you know, let me just say right off the bat, I think this is great. I think they are very good. I think they are useful. I think they serve the purpose that you already described about building relationships. I think that is not just true of a sea lion show, but I think that is true of bird shows. I think it is true of dolphin shows. And I think that the idea of killing a dolphin show and now calling it a dolphin training session, but it's the same behavior. I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. But so tell me what you think the benefit of, of shows is and how, how successful are they? How important are they? Um, especially in a place like Arizona where you can't go and see California sea lions. Yeah. Um, I think they're very important as a Arizona native, you know, growing up here, you don't have a lot of exposure to the ocean and um, ocean life. So I feel like it's such a great opportunity for us to be able to still um, educate people about our oceans and how important they are. And um, again, going back to that, you know, creating that, uh, that inspiration or, um, you know, I, I feel like you, you need some sort of, hook to, to hook people in and get them to care. And I feel like, um, shows, presentations, whatever you want to call them. Um, I feel like that is the way to do it. And I, um, just from my experience here, I see that happening truly. Um, we have so many regular guests that, um, will send us, you know, pictures like my daughter just presented on ocean conservation and plastic pollution. And these are people that come and see us all the time. They, they learn the animals and, um, you know, we, we change our conservation message monthly and, you know, they, they pick up on that and they take it back to their schools and their classrooms. And, um, so I feel like it, it really does make a difference, but when you are, you know, speaking about the younger audience in general, um, you know, if you are just doing a training session, quote unquote, or, um, you know, it's going to be hard to, to create that connection, I think. But when they see, you know, Crockett jump up and touch that ball, it's, you get that wow factor. And that's, I think how you create that, um, that connection. Do you have anything to add to that? Oh yeah, I totally agree because, when when you have sorry, when you have <laughs> you are such a dork <laughs> I know and I'm totally leaving that in the podcast but I love that's it. totally mine <laughs> when when you have as Chris has said our regulars they come all the time and you can see the inspiration firsthand on them making the connections 
gifts and them, you know, the inspiration. And you can even see it with guests that maybe come here on vacation or, you know, come once a year. I just had guests come to one of them yesterday and I remembered them from last year. And, you know, they had tried to come back on their birthday, but we were going through some renovations. So they didn't get to see us personally. But, you know, you get to see those people that try to come back, even if they are out of towners to come see not only our zoo, but our sea lions specifically, because we are able to make that connection and to inspire people firsthand with our shows slash presentations as you know, we try to call them. (laughs) And I feel like that's something we've focused on as a department is um, even in our training sessions, we always talk about peaks and valleys with our animals. We want to have those, those, moments of uh, more high energy or spark, as I like to call it. And then, you know, kind of bring it back down into a valley and, um, you know, bring in some tactile, different things like that, so that it's always, um, you know, variable and different. And I think we have tried to create that with our shows as well um, by bringing in music. So you're adding an element of, you know, fun and upbeat, but we're also bringing in the education. And I feel like um, breaking it up into you know, sections has really helped. And I think people are um, able to retain that amount of information. Um, In the past, it was, uh, you know, just like a a talking presentation. And I feel like um, I just went to the AMMPA educators conference. And this is something that they spoke about the curse of knowledge. And um, sometimes you, you are, you have so much information to share that it's, it's overwhelming and then uh, people can't retain it. And I get that way with training. I could talk about training all day long. And uh, there are definitely those points where I'm like, Oh, they're, they're not listening. And they are <laughs> over this now. Um, Wait, did <laughs> so I just say word right? antecedent to a six-year-old? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, right. <laughs> yes. And they're like, okay, yeah, we got it. Um, but I think that that is also relevant for these kinds of presentations is, um, you know, making sure that you you weave in those peaks and valleys and uh, bring in the the fun element as I like to say um, with those those conservational messages the educational messages um, and that's from our experience I feel like that has been uh, pretty successful for us that's awesome yeah no I the the curse of knowledge is so real I um <laughs> I, I recently wrote a show about uh, the history of Sun Records which is this label that did uh, a lot of the early rock stuff it's where Elvis came from and all that stuff and I'm a huge fan and have been doing their music for close to a decade now and my first draft was like was like a multi-hour story <laughs> right? without any songs because I forgot that part. And I was like, oh, wait, crap. Everybody wants like 30 seconds between songs of like, here's a quick four lines about this person. Right, right. Like, now, interestingly, the drummer of this band had a name <laughs> that his parents called him that because, and you see, it's like, ah. Yeah, we each have our passions, right? Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so tell me about the otters. How how was the decision made to bring otters into the the world of sea lions the day after I left? Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so we had our our aquarium had um, otters, and they um, you know they they measure their weights and they uh, look out for all those things. They did have to pull uh, an animal just for you know, the sake of making sure that it was getting the nutrition it needed and whatnot. Um, so because they're very social animals, they, they, uh, were, they had two together and, um, 
they were, you know, figuring out where, what exhibit they would be go to. And um, we kind of heard that and we were like, wow, what a great opportunity. And one of our trainers, Brittany, um, she used to be in the aquarium. And so she worked with the Asian small quad otters previously. Um, so we, as a team decided, you know, this would be a great challenge for us. And how do we feel about taking this on? And, um, we brought it to our management and you, you spoke with Christy. We have, uh, really great management here. Um, very on board with new ideas and open to new things. And, um, they were on board with it. They liked the idea. So we got, uh, Piglet and Ruger. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's their names. <laughs> yes. Um, also, the first time I've ever worked with uh, Asian small clawed otters, and let me tell you, it is a entirely different ball game. It's it's a, a lot of fun, very humbling as a trainer, um, and yeah, we learn a lot from them. The attention span is quite a bit different. So we're working <laughs> on that right now. And yeah, it's, an, it's a new challenge. And I feel like, um, you know, the more that I've been able to have the opportunity to work with different species, the more you learn about just behavior in general and, um, you know, different motivations. And uh, I, I think one of the, the best um, learning experiences when you have an animal that is not uh, the, the most motivating thing is not food because <laughs> it really challenges you to think out of the box and what is more reinforcing. And we've definitely seen that a lot with the otters and, um, just kind of figuring out lots of observations and, um, just learning every single day with them. Well, so what, what do you do if, if food's not the main motivating factor? Like, like talk to me about what this has been like. Well, they really like palm fronds um, <laughs> and rocks. <laughs> like to play it's been, with? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, you, so in before we had introduced them to the show, like you had seen, we would take them out on stage to do desensitization um, and different things. And they'd find a little pebble and that would be the most fun thing. And, you know, you try to get their attention and say, Piglet, come. And they're like, I don't really care if you have food. I This rock is really cool over here. So then, you know, when we wanted to take them back into their area and they wouldn't want to leave a really fun place, you'd find a piece of cardboard that is more reinforcing than the rock they're playing with. And you say, hey, let's go play inside with the cardboard. And then they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm coming. I don't care if you have fish or anything else. I want the cardboard that you have. <laughs> That's amazing. That's very cool. Um, and how are you using them in the show? Uh, so uh, we've been using them sparingly here and there uh, just because we are still trying to figure them out. And um, when, sometimes they are, they seem to be uh, very, they have good attention and sometimes they don't. And that's a matter of us, uh, you know, we're constantly on the same page as a team trying to figure out, okay, they seem to have good attention for one minute and then they lose it. Or um, something we're playing a lot with now is like giving them access to a new area, letting them explore before we even try to pick them up for a session. That seems to be the most successful because, uh, you know, if they're, if you bring them into a new environment, it's, it's like, I can't pay attention to you. I want to see everything around here. So that's been um, a successful tool. And then, um, yeah, and also we've noticed times, the time of the day, um, but they, they do definitely seem to, um, we've been working on just, you know, relationships and, and tactile and that's something they, right now we're wearing hoodies, it's cold in Arizona, so that's 
it seems to be one of their favorite things is just to, you know, crawl in your hoodies and your pockets and all of that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a learning experience always. And we're, um, always having to be open-minded and look for these things and not have tunnel vision about, you know, they're not interested in the fish right now. Um, and that's, I think what makes, you know, makes you, takes you to that next level of training and behavior and being aware of all the variables, all the factors involved and trying to little by little, um, you know, bring, bring those all together to set them up for success and ourselves up for success. (laughs) So they, they crawl onto you and they crawl into your hoodies Mm-hmm. And you, the the day, the day after I left, I'm yes. so mad at you both. <laughs> that was actually a, a a fun day too because that was um, we had started to just introduce them to the sea lions. They've seen each other through barriers and whatnot, um, and we decided to our two females. They seem to be the least. Um, they don't seem to really care about the otters too much. Um, so we decided to just introduce those two and see what happens. Um, our sea lions have a great recall. So we knew that we could recall them away at any time. Um, and that was, that was that day. We kind of just let them, you know, uh, introduce them to each other without those barriers. And, um, it, it went really well. And, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. What is the dream? Like as you continue to train them and as they continue to learn more stuff and, and hopefully get more integrated into the show, what is the the dream or the goal or, or whatever? Um, I think the end goal is to be able to, you know, um, variably introduce them into different parts of the show, um, whether it be just the otters themselves, maybe an otter and a sea lion. Um, but it's just another way to uh, bring that conservation message or create that caring, um, with a, a different animal. And, uh, cause that's something very memorable for me going to SeaWorld. It was always the otter walking across the stage. And so, uh, we would like to, you know, just bring, bring a new element to our, our presentations and, um, hopefully involve them more, uh, you know, once they have a little bit more of an attention span, (laughs) they are just, they just turned one years old. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're we're still learning a lot with them. Mm-hmm. That is fair. That is very fair. I I love that so much. Um, you know, there there are a few places in in this world where I have gone to a facility and I've done stuff and I love it. And then it like it almost makes my heart hurt that I can't be back there. And and Shipwreck Cove is one of those now. Um, which actually, you know, so we 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 hung out that first day and it was awesome. And then um you know, Krista, you weren't here for this, unfortunately, but we had shows originally scheduled uh, the Sunday of the week that we were there. And then they were just they were not selling. All the other ones were. So they got canceled. And so I got to bring all of my band, except for our guitarist, unfortunately, um, to Wildlife World. And and for the record. I had no intention of expecting anything cool to happen other than to bring these guys to come and see animals, to share some cool facts, come to a cool place, whatever. I did reach out to Danielle and I was like, hey, could you maybe comp us? And they did, which was awesome. Thank you, everyone at Wildlife World. Y'all are so supportive. But um, uh, and actually, it was kind of funny. My my sax player, um, you know, because to these guys, I'm a musician. Like they know I do the podcast, but it's a very different mm-hmm. thing. And like our sax player ended up coming late, and he had to walk up to the guests and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm with like the Ross Safari guy," and they're like, "Oh my god, come right in!" And he's like, 
this is weird. That's just like my drummer, but okay. <laughs> it's a very different thing. But so I was so determined that we were going to get there in time to see the show again. Again, not expecting anything. I just wanted to see my sea lion friends and like human friends too, whatever. Um, but um, I just wanted to see it again because I wanted to be back because it's such a special place. And so we were standing outside before y'all opened the doors and I was looking in and I see – and if I remember correctly, it's Kaylee but not you. Was that the the other person? There's another Kaylee. Am I remembering the uh, name right? Yes. Yeah, we yeah. call her Little Kaylee. Fair. Okay. So <laughs> She might be taller than me but that, – Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but so Little Kaylee uh, looked up, saw me, waved, and ran to the back. And, start, and I was like, I, I'm guessing that Krista or Kaylee or somebody is back there, but literally ran. And my guys were like, what the hell was that? And I was like, oh, we're buds. Like we hung out like this is this is cool. And then um, as soon as we walked in, um, you know, big Kaylee, I guess you Kaylee was like, <laughs> hey, stick around afterwards again. And you let my whole band meet Crockett. And we got yeah. ridiculous photos and ridiculous videos. And I, I have to tell you guys a story. Because I'm really proud of this, okay? Jason and um, Justin, my my pianist and my my sax player, great guys, wonderful people. We have a lot of fun together. You know, they like animal stuff. They'll come with me occasionally to do stuff. Um, I've encouraged them to like feed stingrays and little things like that, and it's it's very cool. But like they're they're into it. You know, they're they're down for it. My bass player Ben, I did not know this until after the fact, has never had an encounter with any kind of animal outside of like dogs or cats and has been afraid of the idea. He never told me this and he thinks what I do with Ross Safari is very cool, but it's always that kind of thing where it's like, if somebody tells me they're going on a roller coaster trip, I'm not a roller coaster guy. And I'm like, <laughs> good for you as I back away slowly in case they are <laughs> going to invite me. Um, and so Ben came, Ben went up, Ben got a kiss from Crockett. Ben petted Crockett. He was a little jumpy at first, but he fed Crockett. He fell in love with the entire experience. And you want to talk about the connection that you're talking about. My boy overcame his fear right there with Crockett. And it was a big deal. Like he talked about it. It was huge for him. And I had no clue. I was, like I said, I didn't even expect that. I just wanted them to see the show. And um, so those that's the kind of impact that y'all have, you know, sometimes without even realizing it. I didn't know. I was blown away when he told me that. And you can kind of see it if you watch the, the pictures and the videos that we took. At first, he's hesitant. The rest of us are like kneeling down and he's like slowly kneels down. And by the end, he's the first one that's given a, you know, given a pat and everything. It's adorable. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Oh, so we love welcome. hearing those stories. That, yeah, that makes my heart so happy to hear. And yeah. I feel like as a staff, I think that is, I mean, Kaylee in, in, is really good at this, but even um, any guest that comes for our sea lion feedings, you know, we get a lot of little kids that are nervous and, um, you know, the sea lions are intimidating. And I feel like um, we really always try to take that uh, that extra minute to to leave them with a you know, a, a really good experience and a different uh, way of seeing them and not as a scary sea lion, but, you know, an amazing animal. That was something I actually noticed. Okay, so we'll talk about this for a minute. So after the show, you can either do feedings or some other things. You can you can buy ornament or not ornaments, uh, magnets that get made and stuff like that. And you can talk about that and kind of what you see happening. But one thing that I noticed, and again, I 
I love this kind of thing so much is that um, here I am and I'm I'm sitting there waiting because y'all said, you know, wait until this is done. And then like both days, it was wait until all of these people are out of here and then you can have your fun experience. And I'm obviously going to be patient and going to be waiting. But again, just like how I said there was no concern about like Junior and like what, you know, what he was doing, like everything was great. Y'all did not cheapen the experience that anybody else got to have because of me. I waited a long time, both times for that. <laughs> I, I mean, like, and I'm not complaining. I'm being honest though. Like y- y'all, it wasn't, you know, I remember, I don't remember the exact thing, but it's like, you know, you can come and feed and it'll be like, you know, it's, it's, it's explained what it is. It's going to be a quick thing. But then, like you said, if somebody was nervous, it was, let's take the time. Let's slow this down. Let's bring you to them at your pace you can reach out. You can have this experience. Um, and I noticed that as I was sitting there. And it was really beautiful to see because I have been to places where it becomes a corporate thing. Here, kids, shut up. Take the three fish. Shove it in the mouth. Walk away. You know? And it very much was not that, which I thought was cool. Um, so, yeah, can you talk about what uh, what different things you offer other than just the show and then also share some of those stories about how you see them having that impact? Yeah. So, um, we offer a feeding right after the the show and they can, you know, toss a fish to the sea lions over our acrylic panels. And then we also offer a photo program and, um, soon we're going to be opening up interactions to the public. So like what you and your bandmates did, um, you know, that's been our goal. We just wanted to make sure that as a staff, we were ready, our animals were ready and we are definitely at that point. So we're very excited to be, uh, soon offering that opportunity to, to get uh, more up close and personal and those more one-on-one interactions. But um, I do think when you said it turns into a corporate thing, that's something we always talk about. And, um, you know, we, we have a new staff member and so we're uh, kind of going through the process of training her. And that is something we just talked about, like, it, please make sure that it's not just business. Um, you know, we want to uh, them to leave with a positive experience. And, um, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to provide that. And, um, especially with, with our animals, they, they are incredible on their own. So that makes it easy, but, um, by letting them ask, ask something, uh, you know, to that, to that little kid that is, you know, so many times parents say that was the highlight of our day. And, um, you know, and for us, it's being, we're being variable with the animals. We don't have a script. So, um, each and every session is different. We, all of our animals participate in our feedings. Um, sometimes we can have one animal, all six animals, four animals. So, uh, we work really hard to make every single day, every single session new and different. Um, but, still being able to create that, uh, personal one-on-one connection, uh, with the feeding and then the photo, the same thing. Um, you know, usually that's a little bit more, uh, involved just because we get, we have a little bit more time with them. Um, but they're allowed to feed with that too. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see. I, I really love it. Like I am actively trying to figure out how to gig out in Phoenix again right now. Cause I want to come back. Um, well, you're always, always welcome. Yeah. You're always welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I would, hell I want to apply. I want to, I want to come work with y'all for a little bit. <laughs> Do like a one week intense internship or something. <laughs> you know, we are yes. you know, hiring for our summer internship. program. Dude, I saw so that. You know. And don't think for a second that I haven't thought about doing something like that at some point. Like what a cool way to further 
my own, you know, quest on this journey and everything. And, you know, don't don't think for one second. I, I like I saw you post about that uh, and I was like, yeah, mm, maybe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really love our internship program, too. And that's, yeah. um, you know, I, I love all aspects of this field. I just, I love behavior in general, but, um, even our internship program seeing, you know, cause a lot of people, I think we do get a lot of people that think that we just play with animals all day. And, um, you know, they don't realize all the work that's involved behind the scenes from, uh, preparing fish to cleaning animal areas. Um, you know, it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks it is. And also, um, you know, all the, the details that are involved in training and, and behavior. Uh, and it's really cool. There's always, there's always a shift. You can see it happen during the internship when, um, you know, they, they've had certain lectures and then they cross this point of, understanding and they're able to observe and really understand what's happening in, you know, whether it be social or uh, training a new behavior, troubleshooting behaviors. Um, and that's, that's really exciting to see when it's, uh, when, when that realization happens. That's really cool. Yeah. Training, training the trainers, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. the goal. That's really cool. Yeah. I want, I want to come out there and do that. <laughs> you really do. Definitely. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned training and being into training and there was something that we did with Crockett that I thought was particularly cool and that I, I would love for you to talk about a little bit, which is um, you, you were explaining to me a little bit that um, basically they learn behaviors from one person and then you kind of have to learn how to transfer it, or they have to learn how to transfer it to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you actually had me work some behaviors with Crockett that I believe he'd only worked with you. Can you talk about that like, and explain that to people? Because that was another one of those moments where I was like, this is so special and this is so cool. Yeah, and this is when I nerd out on training. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it's – and th- those are all the details that go into it that a lot of times from the outside looking in you don't realize. Um, but when – so we have behavior goals and each of us uh, works a certain behavior with an animal. And so just being with that certain trainer in a certain scenario, it kind of helps trigger their brain like, oh, okay, we're going to be working on a, a three-point right now um, or a wave right now. And so there's those contextual cues that they receive. Now, um, when you go, t- sometimes it's a new area. If you change, uh, your topography, you go to a, a different area. It's sometimes you have to kind of start from the, the basics again and re retrain in that new area. Um, also with a new person. So if you're taking away some of those contextual cues, um, you have to kind of take a few steps back in your, um, training approximations and, uh, you know, help them learn with a new person or a new location, um, different things like that. So that's something, um, you know, a behavior isn't totally trained, we like to say, until, um, you know, everybody on our staff can ask it in all locations. So that's something um, if you're if you're in charge of that behavior, you're in charge of, you know, when when you feel the animal is ready to pass it on to somebody else and and all those little steps. That's really cool. I love that. I thought it was so special when you were like, yeah, so far he's only done this with me, but eh, let's try it. I was like, did, yeah. did, did you and I just become best friends? Like, <laughs> I think we're best friends now. That's amazing. Um, um, there was also something. Oh, sorry. I was going to say real quick. There was also something like watching you literally, I think the word you used was hand off and I might be remembering that wrong, but like mm-hmm. you literally have a motion where you were like, yo, Crockett, him now. And it was mm-hmm. 
it was so cool and it was so empowering to me to feel that way and to watch his trust in you that here's this idiot that he doesn't know <laughs> and all of a sudden he will take commands from me but like I couldn't just walk in during a show and start making them do stuff because I know all your secret little commands now. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and that's, um, we just as a staff for part of staff development, listened to a podcast from Steve Martin. And that was one of the things that I wanted was like, yes. Um, he said, don't train in a vacuum and uh, training chaos. And Everyone, when they listen to the podcast, they're like, that's why you wanted us to listen to that. (laughs) Um, Because I just think it's so true. When you can prepare your animals for anything and everything that comes their way, um, then that's, you you open up a whole new world of variability and um, bringing new things to them. And so that is something that we work on is like passing them off to a guest or, you know, you. And uh, he was totally comfortable with, with, uh, you know, working with you and taking those, uh, you know, hand signals from you and responding. So that was very cool. Yeah. And speaking of Steve, um, I'm heading down there in March and going to interview him at the the ranch down there. And, and I'm, I'm stupidly excited about that. Oh, that amazing. is so exciting. I know. I, Congratulations. I at, thank you. I met him at the AZA conference and he was like really into the idea. And I was like, really? This was a long shot for me. Okay. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that should be fun. Um, awesome. I am, I'm taking a lot of your time. I'm sorry. Are we in a hurry? We're like at an hour already and I, I feel like I could go all day, but I won't, but do, <laughs> I do mean, I, I, we could also talk your ear off too. So, <laughs> um, but we have a little, we have a little more time though. We're cool. Everyone's mm-hmm, good. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Just wanted to make sure I try to at least check in at an hour if I hit that. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um All right. So, um you you know, there's one other um uh, animal in your department that you mentioned that we haven't talked about yet. And uh you talk about different uh animals. I mean, going from sea lions to otters is one thing, but uh you have a burb. Tell me about your burb. Yes. Um his name is Captain. Uh we also call him Flynn his nickname um he is a hyacinth macaw so he's new to uh the zoo in general and then of course new to our department um and our leadership approached me and said like how would you feel about having taking a bird and i was i was kind of did like a double take like me um are you sure (laughs) and i've never worked with birds before and again i always love a challenge i love um you know learning about new species and, and training and just behavior in general, even though it doesn't, it's totally different with different species. And he is, um, (laughs) it's definitely humbling working with him. Um, I've learned a lot about birds. I have a lot of respect for people that work with birds now. Um, I am very rarely intimidated by, by things and our sea lions. I, I sometimes forget that they are 400 pounds and, you know, can be very intimidating to people, but, um, you know, you give me that hyacinth macaw and it is, it is a very humbling experience and, um, just, you know, a lot of observing and learning about his quirks, what makes him tick, what his motivators are, um, because it's very different. Also reading behavior. So, um, we have a great education department that works with birds and I'm always asking, Hey, what does it mean when his feathers fluff up here? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? (laughs) You know, because as, um, behaviorists, we want to make sure that we're reinforcing the, the, the good things and not reinforcing the bad things. And so, um, you know, it, when you don't 
necessarily know what some of those things mean, uh, it's, it's important to really pay attention to all those details. So I'm, we're all learning a lot and, um, we watch each other's sessions, we time each other's sessions. And, uh, that's the beauty because sometimes when you are working with an animal, you may not see something, but somebody from the outside notices like, Oh, it's when you take one step to the left that I noticed that he, you know, looked a little uncomfortable. And so as a team, it's, it's really awesome to kind of pick that apart and, uh, figure him out, but he's doing great. He is also going to be involved in our shows. He's done several shows already. Um, it's very enriching for the sea lions, very enriching for him. Um, the first time the sea lions heard him, uh, you know, make different noises. That was, <laughs> that was a uh, very enriching experience. I think <laughs> enriching is one way to put yeah. it. <laughs> um, it's really funny to watch a 400 pound sea lion say, Oh my gosh, this is terrifying because it's making a squawking sound. And not want to, not want to come over to a certain area during, <laughs> during mm-hmm. the training session. That's really funny. I love that. Yeah, birds are super interesting. Um, one of my repeat guests and and good friends now, um, Danny Portier Larson, is the uh, head of birds at uh, Southwick Zoo in Menden, Massachusetts. And um, all of her episodes are just filled with bird stories. But like one that stands out to me is a kookaburra that she literally raised from being a little hatchling, like literally took it home at night and everything. Um, didn't recognize her anytime she would wear a headband and would freak the F out like that badly. And it was a headband. And then she'd take the headband off headband off, and and, um, Kinta is the kookaburra's name. And Kinta would just be like, oh, hey, it's you. Cool. What's up? Put the headband back on. Bah! (laughs) (laughs) Birds. Birds. (laughs) Birds is right. Yeah, and you you spoke with Danielle then. She's also been really helpful for us. I I call her all the time. Hey, can you just come down here and look at this real quick? (laughs) And she's fantastic. So um, we have a really good team here at Wildlife World. It's kind of like a big family. And that's what I really love about it is everyone's willing to help each other out. And, um, you know, there's there's a good vibe in that way always. There really is. Like, I think that's one of the reasons I love it there so much. Because, I mean, obviously the animals are great, but animals are great everywhere. Animals are great. But, like, yeah, no, I I really – I love the zoo. I love everyone that I've met, like, like you know, Christy and Danielle and everyone. Um, and I got to meet your owner on this last uh, last trip, and, and she was lovely. And, um, it, yeah, it's just a very cool place, but especially with your team. So I wondered if you wanted to say anything about your team beyond just the two of you. Um, I was – I was not only wildly impressed, but felt like they were like just the sweetest humans. But, you know, obviously they were starstruck and trying to impress me. So tell me what they're really (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're on to us. Got us. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like I mentioned in the beginning, I just love our team. I think I feel so lucky um, to have each and every one of them um, as part of our Shipwreck Cove family. Um, So... Well, I'm Krista, you know, Kaylee. (laughs) And then I don't believe you met Haley. Um, Haley has also been here for, gosh, five years. Yeah, five or six years, I think. Um, So she is in charge of our whole internship program. Um, She does a lot of our uh, educational messaging. And um, so she she does a lot of that stuff. Um, She's also a great trainer as well. Um, A good eye for behavior and observational uh, and 
I mean, really, her, the, the internship she's built has been tremendous. And I think that um, each year we're always trying to improve it. And um, I was an intern. I've been there. So we o- I always want to make sure that, um, you know, they're really getting a lot of out, out of their experience here. And she, um, you know, definitely dedicates a lot of her time to that. And um, it has, has made our department really great. Um, Brittany is also amazing. She has... Uh, she has a background in the aquarium, so she has been a great resource for the otters. Um, she's she's kind of quirky, um, a lot of fun, very um, loves enrichment, is always looking for new ways to bring new enrichment ideas to our animals. Um, she has more of a calm presence, and I think that that's what's great, too. We kind of all have different personalities, and our the animals respond differently to each one of us. Um, we work very hard to be consistent in our training, but also we have that individual uh, freedoms. I think Kaylee and I are a little bit more Ah! <laughs> um, and I would say Haley and Brittany are a little bit more reserved. Um, and then Renee is our newest team member. So she um, came from an internship at Clearwater Aquarium and she's uh, just had about one week here. She's doing amazing, um, has really great interactions with guests and all of that. And that's something I think is really hard to teach. She also has a great attitude. Um, that's kind of our golden rules here is you know, no drama. <laughs> I, I hate drama because uh, it just takes away from everything you're working on, takes away from your animals, your team, and can just be toxic. So no drama. And then also uh, leave your ego at the door. And that's something that, you know, as a team, we want to always um, make sure that it, it's an environment that it's okay to make mistakes. That's, I think, sometimes the best learning opportunities is when you make a mistake. Um, and, you know, being able to explore different ideas with the, you know, knowledge that it may not work out and that's okay, but let's try, let's try. And, um, so like I, like I said with you, like, I've never done this with him, but let's, let's try, let's see what happens. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I feel like, uh, we definitely have an environment where we're all okay with those things and, um, we root each other on. And I think that that's, that's huge. Um, not one of us is in it for ourselves. And as a team, we're able to bring our strengths and really, uh, you know, advance the department, advance our training for our animals and um, our interns and everything like that. Yeah. Everyone, everyone brings something unique to the table, which is why I love our team so much. And we all have different ideas and different perspectives for the animals and for each other. And I mean, really are like a little, not only in the zoo are we like a family, but in our department specifically, because we work so close together. It's really awesome to work with like a great group of people. Truly. I love that. That's very cool. Are there any conservation organizations that either of you would like to give a shout out to? Um, yes. I'm pretty sure Alaska Sea Life Center contributes to conservation because they do rescue and rehab. So I would love, I would love to shout out the Alaska Sea Life Center. Um, one, because it's not to my to my home state, and they do some really incredible things as well with um, animals, not only native to Alaska but in general. <laughs> Great, very cool. <laughs> um, I have been able to visit Cabo Adventures and Bayard Adventures, um, and they uh, participate in like 
wild sea lion rescues where they go out and they will remove fishing line or um, things like that. And I don't, I think they are partnered with several organizations and I, I don't know those specifically, but um, I was really great. I got to talk to the lead vet on, on that um, and she you know, explained the process and everything that they're trying to learn. And I just think that that's, that's great. Um, and there's so many, so many organizations that do such great things. And that's something as a team that we've been wanting to focus on is just getting more out there. And, um, of course, bringing conservation to this world here, but also extending that reach to, um, other facilities and other organizations as well. Very cool. I love that. I have a really dumb question for you. Like, I, <laughs> I'm embarrassed <laughs> to ask this one, but I don't care. Um, so I have a black lab and my black lab and your sea lions have a lot in common. They really do. The same drive, the same personality, frankly, the same love of water. Um, I have played fetch with one and catch with the other. <laughs> so as an honest question, and I know we're hypothesizing here, and I will cut this if it is really stupid, but <laughs> what do you think would happen if you took one of your sea lions and a well-trained black lab and let them be friends? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like um... – you know, that's that's the beauty of our animals is they I broke your they, brains on this. No, no. Yeah, well, you know I mean the answer no, is, if I you could see their faces right now, <laughs> holy crap. Uh, you know, that I mean going back to the like, well, let's see what happens. Let's try it. Why not? Um yeah, I don't know. That's that, I've you know, never done that, so I, I don't know. I feel like Junior would be on board for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my Black Lab Paradiddle and Junior would be best friends. I am oh, yeah. sure of it. It would be adorable. Yes. yes. And Junior likes to play wall ball um, with our buoy inside. He will take a buoy and just chuck it against Throw the wall it. back to himself. So I think that that would be, you know, a, a little playmate that he could go back and forth with. <laughs> oh, my God. God, I now need to see Junior playing fetch with Paradiddle. That would be my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. See, this is this is the fun part of me being an outsider of the industry. I bet no one at any of the like conferences ever has mentioned that before. But here comes Mister Drummer Guy being like, "What if a dog and a sea lion played together?" <laughs> you know, it's it's got to be good and rich for both right exactly. <laughs> if nothing else <laughs> all right it's time now don't you know we've come to the end of the show but there's one tale left to go you're gonna laugh and say oh no it's time for the rock safari poop story oh my gosh i have to think about this <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Well, my poop story. Poop story is you know we've had we've had three sea lion births and um, you have to clean up after the birth sometimes and make sure the area is nice and clean afterwards for mom and pup and you know here we are cleaning up and all of a sudden I hear I stepped on the placenta oh, and no. um, <laughs> I accidentally stepped on a, a, a sea lion placenta. It's kind of gross, but you know. <laughs> Ew. At least Welcome you guys are to the around world of animals. Yeah, right. At least y'all are around water. That's that's you know easy to clean up. I would suppose. Thankfully, yes. Oh my goodness! All right, Krista, how about you? 
Oh gosh. Um, I feel like it was one of my first times diving um, with, with sea lions, much different than dolphins. <laughs> so I was like, what? I, I, th- I saw something and I was like, oh, there must be like a stick at the bottom of the pool. So I go to, go to grab it, like pick it up and, you know, get it out. It was not a stick. It was a, yes. It's a sea lion uh, turd. <laughs> so, and yeah, so that was uh, one of my first learning experiences with uh, sea lions versus dolphins. Also, um, they are notorious for you just clean an area and then you hear them barking and running and they they like to multitask. They uh, run and poop poop at the same time and it's it's great and it's always just after you've you've cleaned their areas and hosed it all down nice and shiny and yeah <laughs> that reminded me of another poop story poop story i have can i share do it oh my gosh so crockett as you you got to play catch with him he is trained to retrieve objects from around the exhibits or from the bottom of the exhibit so there was a floating toy in his exhibit and i asked him to retrieve it and i watched him go down to the bottom and I was like, I don't know where he's going. There's nothing down there. He comes back up and drops poop in my hand. <laughs> he came and brought a piece of poop off the bottom of the exhibit. And I was like, you are disgusting. That's amazing. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so for all your new listeners out there, animals are not as glamorous as they may seem. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. It has been so much fun to spend time with you both again. Like, seriously, when I get back to Phoenix, I want to, like, let's all go out and, like, grab dinner some night or something. Absolutely. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you. Oh, that was so much fun. And make sure that you go check out the show notes so you can find the links to the social media pages for Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. And also, um, when you are done with this episode, make sure you go and hit up my Instagram because I will post at least one more video and photo of my time with some of these incredible sea lions. It was such a good time. Um, and so I do need to say something here, though. I need to correct myself a little bit. I thought of dropping in and interrupting John, but um, I'm, I'm I don't know. I didn't feel like interrupting the episode for my own stupidity. So. I keep using the word commands when I talk about training animals, and I know that's wrong. It's just a term that I grew up hearing when you train dogs, you give them commands, that kind of stuff, and that is just not the right term to use. So um, for those of you who heard that and cringed a little bit, or even if you didn't and you just don't know that that's not the best term to use, you know – we talk so much about how training is a relational thing, and and you've heard Krista and Kaylee say these things, and Danny Poirier-Larsen, and Colleen Adams, and all these amazing humans who, who go into training, and Hillary Henke was on the podcast, right? Like, so much cool stuff, and they use these terms, and then I'm like, ooh, let's give them commands, and that's just not what really happens. So um, a lot of times, a trainer will just say they're asking for a behavior. Asking is the key, because it's not a command. You're not telling them to do that. Uh, you you can also call it a cue. You're giving a cue that is asking for the behavior. So the cue can be a hand signal. The cue can even be a verbal. If you say sit, 
you are asking your dog to sit. You're not commanding it, sit now. It's not how that works. It's a relational thing if you're doing training right. So I apologize for using the term uh, command, and I'm going to try to stop using it um, and say, you know, asking for behavior or giving a cue or giving a hand signal or something like that. And with that said, I am being given the cue to wrap this up. So remember, friends, the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.